0: your life with this episode of Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S. Hey friends, Dr. S here. You know, one thing that I love about this show is that it shows anyone and everyone that regardless of what background you have, what different experiences you have had, and who you are, that you can obtain your level of success. I've been getting some really positive feedback from the business tips that you've been getting and the lifestyle hacks that I've been loving. And so I have to tell you, if you are feeling this community to subscribe to the talk show and never miss a beat, head to lifestyleandsuccesswithdrs.com. And today's guest is coming up. So today I have a superstar professional athlete joining us Rebecca Rush. She is a 7 times world champion mountain bike hall of Famer. She's the author of Rush to Glory. She's an Emmy award winner for Blood Road and creator of the Be Good Foundation. Rebecca is going to talk to us today about how to push your body and mind beyond its limits and also give us a little bit of glimpse into what she did to rise to the top. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So excited to have you. So give us your story. How did you get to where you are today? Please give us the goods.
1: All right. I'll try to give you, I'll try to give you a brief lowdown. but I am a professional athlete and I'm 53 years old and still competing at a high level doing ultra, mostly ultra endurance cycling. And I've been a rock climber, kayaker, runner, paddler, and mountain biker, adventure racer. So I've done a lot of different sports all, but all kind of, all really with the theme of exploring. So people often will ask, why did you change sports so many times or even genres of cycling? And really it, the common theme that runs through it is exploration in the outdoors. And yes, I'm a professional athlete, but I feel that that's expanded beyond kind of exploring the outdoors, but also exploring myself and feeling like the ultra-endurance sports I do, which I'll give you a little context, are are often multi-day Self-supported. For example, last winter, riding the Iditarod Trail, the famous dog sled race, but on my bike, self-supported in the middle of winter in Alaska. And those are the kinds of things I do. You know, that take six, ten days, pushing the body and the mind really to the limit. And I've been able to make a career out of that, which has been fantastic and a lot of hard work. But I think it it really started with me as a kid. In I grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois, in the suburbs, and I was always just curious, being outside. I wanted to camp in the backyard when, when I was young and my mom would always take us on in the summers. Our vacations were to national parks and I always just loved being outside and moving in the outdoors and playing in the dirt. And so I've, I've been able to take that passion and curiosity and, and extend it into a career that includes a foundation and, and includes an athletic career, but it's been, um, a long, rough, rocky road, but one that I feel like I'm still that kid who wants to explore and wants to see what's over
0: the next mountain range or, you know, down the next river around the next corner. Mm, Beautiful. Now, what did you think you'd be doing when you grew up? Like, did you know, did you have a hunch that you'd be a professional athlete?
1: No, no. And I I still, I mean, when I write down, you know, you write on a form, you know, what is your profession? And you've got to check some little box. I still kind of laugh to write down professional athlete because I was, I was that kid and young adult who had no idea. My sister, conversely, she knew from age 10, she wanted to go into the medical field. She went into dentistry. She's a two-star general in the air force in the medical branch and she knew as a young age and I I stressed about it. I'm like, Sharon already knows what she wants to do. I don't know what I want to do. I don't, I don't know and I really struggled with that as a kid and in high school I remember I I got a scholarship to University of Illinois which is a really good school near where I was and because I had good grades I had no idea what I wanted to do and so my high school counselor I really appreciated the advice she said you know what just enter into the business school because you've got the grades to get in there and everything in the world is related to business so just don't do general you know go into or liberal arts go into the business school. And that was really great advice at that time for somebody who, you know, didn't have a five year ten year, whatever plan. I've never been a planner like that. And so I went into the business school and I, I found that, you know I didn't really resonate with the numbers and accounting and statistics so much, but I did resonate with the marketing and just thinking up creative ideas of, of how to how to sell something or move something. And so I, I focused in a marketing degree. I was also a runner in college. so so on the sports team, and kind of focused in marketing only because it came naturally, not because it was something that I knew I wanted to do. So I, you know, after college, I kind of like, well, how can I combine? I love sports. How can I combine marketing and sports together? And so I started looking into the health club industry and and working in health clubs and gyms. and, And I did that for a little while. But still, it was like I was in downtown Chicago, you know, helping work in a really fancy schmancy health club. And it was okay. But you know, just watching people and helping people run on a treadmill, it really didn't sort of serve that outdoor curiosity for me and so I ended up leaving Chicago heading out west doing a lot of rock climbing and and ended up working in climbing gym communities and helping open rock climbing gyms in California and so that was the dream job. That was the trajectory for me of like combining a degree with a sport that I loved. And and I thought I was set <laughs> until mm-hmm. I, I was getting some invitations to do a sport called adventure racing. So that was, I don't know if anyone remembers watching Eco Challenge. They're basically a genre of sport where you run, you bike, you paddle, you ride horses, you climb all in teams of four and you're navigating the whole way. And so I did a lot of sports and got into invited to do some of those teams. And that is really what started my professional athlete career is, you know, I decided, okay, I'll go on this one team and the teams were co-ed. So you had to be co-ed. And usually that meant that there was one woman and three guys. And so women who could do a lot of sports at that time were, you know, it wasn't as common as it is now. And so I got invited to do these adventure racing, these adventure racing races and they're, travel the world, you know, Australia, Morocco, Oh, and so I said yes to him, mostly because that same kid in me was like, I'd love to travel if this is a way to travel. So I was able to use my body as a tool for that, and I thought it would just be kind of a little short-lived um, excursion. But that turned into a 10-year career. Of all of a sudden, I was getting on teams. I started my own team. I started a women's team, and all of a sudden, I was using my marketing degree to solicit sponsorship and, you know, do a website and do updates from our races. And so that, you know, blossomed into a career that that is still going and has transitioned into cycling, transitioned into adventure, adventure athletics. And I call I call myself now instead of an athlete, actually an explorer. Cause I feel like what I'm doing is athletics are part of it, but it's actually a bigger exploration of, of the world, of myself and and of how to share the lessons that I learned on the trail and bring that to other people. And that's really how my business has has shaped in the last sort of 10-15 years is that yes I'm an athlete and I use my ultra endurance platform as as my teacher really but shaping the business where I can bring those lessons from the trail to other people through a book through the film through my foundation and then also
0: encouraging and getting more people outside on the bicycle or on foot or in a kayak whatever it is In the beginning of the interview, you said that you are 53. Is that right? That's right. (laughs) And you are still, still climbing and achieving these really big, big, big goals. And I'm wondering, why did you keep going? Like, at what point did you feel like, you know, I could quit right now, but I'm going to hang in there and I'm going to make even my age a goalpost. What was that like for you? That's a really good question, and
1: you know, there's there have been choosing a life of a professional athlete or an entrepreneur or both is not an easy path, as as many of your listeners know, and as you know, that there are easier paths to make more money or have more security, or you know, there's easier easier career paths to go down, but. For For me, I think the the curiosity is what kept leading me of, and kind of not having a five or 10 year plan of just being open to an opportunity that came up, being invited to go to Morocco to race, being invited to go paddle, you know, with the women's whitewater rafting team in the US and being sort of free enough, they, well, yeah, I'll try that. And if it doesn't work, I can always go back and get a regular business marketing job. So I had a bit of a safety net, you know, with my degree and, and, you know, I didn't have any school that. So I think part of it was being open to try things and, you know, and it's never too late to keep doing that. And I I would say the common theme throughout my career is that is adaptation and that it has changed from different types of sports, but also adapting to what does it mean to be a professional athlete? You know, we have this vision, you know, we watch the Olympics or whatever. We have this vision that there is this timeline for, for people as in a career and in an athletic career. That you know, maybe you get an Olympic medal or a world championship, and then you retire, and maybe you sell frying pans on you know on TV or something mm. like that, or you endorse endorse something. But for me, I I kept trying to stay open to the fact that I knew I wanted to explore, I knew I loved using my body and being outside, and could I turn that into a business platform? And and it's worked. I think mostly because I've tried to have an entrepreneurial mind about it and be creative about it. But absolutely, there are times I wanted to quit and stop and like this, it'd be so much easier, you know, to do something else. But I think we all know the things that sort of the biggest mountains that we climb, the hardest things we tackle are the ones that, that have the potential to have the biggest reward. And the fact that I was able to shape and still I'm shaping a career based on that little kid who wants to explore in the outdoors, I'm pretty. Pretty proud of that. But yeah, it's been a hard mm hard road that required a lot of resilience. And I think what kept me in it is my love of the outdoors and that I realized I'm happiest when I'm moving. I'm happiest when I get to go exploring. And so the thought of taking that away from my lifestyle wasn't something I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. So I made other sacrifices like health insurance or living out of my car or, you know, a smaller paycheck or really unreliable paychecks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the sponsorships and, and trying to renew contracts every year, it's, it's not a reliable, I mean, you could win everything that you set out to do, um, and still in essence, lose your job the next year with, with not like having an office job or, a, or a more traditional job that has a lot more security. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't give into it because I've, mm-hmm. you, you know, be, been able to create something that suits me. And I think, I mean, if people are listening, not everyone can go do what I do and that's, that's fine. And that's partially. Why I feel compelled to share my stories because not everyone's going to go ride the Iditarod Trail or swim the Grand Canyon or do things like that. But perhaps my stories of that can encourage somebody to be in the outdoors a little bit more each day or to take a career risk that they didn't think was possible. And there, you know, there's a reason that we all love to watch like the Olympics, for example, and we hear the stories and we love watching the sport and we feel for the person. Who lost and we celebrate for the person who won and we see how hard the athletes work and there's a reason so many people, you know, love to watch sport is because it's such a great example of life, of failures, wins, teamwork, you know, being alone, being cold and hungry. And everyone resonates with that because we want to learn from that in our own lives.
0: When you have experienced hurdles, um, in your many different, uh, segments of life where you've won these awards, which is like incredible, what hurdles do you feel like arose in, in those processes that you have applied to your, your regular life? So, you know, I, I know there's a system and there's a science to like pushing your body to its next level, but I'm just wondering for you, like, do you have any of those moments that have specifically stuck out?
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll use the I did a trail again as an example a couple years ago. You know, I, I went to that race three years ago, and cold and being cold is, is not really my forte and i was really scared of winter expeditions but i decided i needed to go do one because of the commitment factor of being in the elements where there really isn't a lot of room for error and so yes physical preparation is required but it's also a really high level of commitment being in temperatures that are minus 40 degrees self supported you know if you you make a mistake you you lose fingers and toes. And so I went to that event terrified, and but knowing that the commitment would make me rise to the occasion. And I think that's something to take from a lesson for me is continuing to push sort of what your expectation of what you're capable of to continue to push beyond that. And I think often we underestimate what we're really capable of. And mm-hmm. so I went to the Iditarod, I went to Alaska in the winter at age 50 for the first time and completed the event, but was a mess. And I, I finished it, but was was really like a sobbing pathetic mess at the finish mm. line because I was physically broken because I wasn't ready for that kind of commitment so I went back year number two and was super ready my coach got me ready I like studied nutrition I I, I studied the maps I really planned and I got there in 30 minutes into the event I was ready I was going to win the thing overall and got into the race and half an hour in made a navigational error that cost me basically cost me six hours cost me the race and I mm. stood at that inner section crying with tears freezing on my face and thinking I was so ready, you know, I was going to win this thing and, and really had to stand there by myself in Alaska and say, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to go back to the finish, which is only 30 minutes away or to the start and, and quit and throw it in? Or are you going to, pick yourself up from this mistake and navigate yourself out of this and get back on course. And, you know, and that's what I did. And so what I take a lot from the trail and bring into everyday life is the concept of navigation and the concept of, you know, using a map and compass and finding your way. And sometimes you've got a machete out and you're breaking your own trail. And sometimes you're following a really well-worn path. But developing navigational tools in the wilderness, but also in life so that you you have some handrails and Navigational handrails, it's a term I really love because if anyone remembers using a paper map and compass um, and all those squiggly lines that are topo lines, there's a term called navigational handrails. And so that's something like a river or a ridge or something that, that is really obvious It doesn't change. So you're like, oh, I can keep that river on my left and I know I'm going to sort of be going in the right direction. And you might be bumping around a little, but still your way is generally, you know, you're staying on course with that compass and that navigational handrail. And so I've developed kind of some navigational handrails for choices in life, and that's based on the trail of like, if I have a difficult decision in work or I don't really know which way to go when I'm faced with something in my career, what are the navigational handrails that I use? And those are based on a little bit of a look back and an exercise I did of looking back of the times in my life that really worked or I was really happy or I achieved something that was really great. And I went and looked for themes, you know, when this happened and I felt really great, How did that theme relate to that other time that I felt really great and that happened? And so I was able to develop kind of these life navigational handrails for myself and they're pretty simple and it's something I kind of encourage everyone to do is develop your own navigational handrails. But mine are risk equals reward, passion equals payoff, give equals get, and less equals more. And it, so in life, if I am faced with something I don't know what to do, I go to those navigational handrails and I ask, is it kind of risky? Does it make my hands sweat? Is it kind of exciting? If so, those are often the things that turn out the best for me. Or and, am I passionate about it? Do I really want to do this? Am I curious about it? Is there a giving aspect to it? And am I doing too much? Can I fit this in my life right now? So those four navigational handrails are mine. But anyone listening, if you go back to the like liminal pivotal moments in your life or big things that happen to you, look for scenes. And those end up becoming basically your your guideline, your handrail for, for your decision making. And I use it in on the trail, but I also use it in life.
0: Mm, Powerful. Now, what has been your your greatest win thus far? Because, Rebecca, in addition to looking at these handrails that you've developed for living and the achievements that you've had, you've also done some pretty amazing things with film work and foundations. And I'm wondering, of all of these accomplishments, what has been the most important part of it for you? I think... That's a really good question. I mean, I'm
1: proud of a lot of the stuff that I've done, and I will go back to your previous question. You asked, you know, what do you athletes learn and can take in, and that we are celebrating the wins and the world championships all the time. Um, But what you don't show is that for every win, there's ten, fifteen, twenty, a hundred failures. Mm. and that are the prerequisite to the win and so we, we live in a society where everybody's supposed to be achieving all the time and winning all the time but if you if you take the athletic template you know one person wins and many many people show up but there's only one winner and so all those other people you know are they failures or the winner that's on the podium that week you know you know that he or she or they had 20 failures leading up to that win and so I think it's important to reinforce that we're not always winning, that it it takes falling off your bike a bunch of times before it actually works. And we're always celebrating and putting, you know, people on pedestals or celebrating the wins. But um, I think it's almost not to celebrate the losses, but to accept that they are part of the process of winning Mm. is falling down quite a few times
0: and getting up again and figuring Mm. it out. What other pieces have you put in place in your life that really foster this high level of performance? I heard you mention a coach. Are there any other certain routines, mantras, practices that you do that almost kind of can predict your level of success, even though it's very unpredictable, I'm sure, but I mean, my goodness, everything that you've set out to do, you, you've, <laughs> you've overachieved it. Um, and so I'm just wondering, like, there has to be some structural things in life that also really help you to create this.
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. And I mean, thank you for saying all those nice things about my achievements, but honestly, it's ultimately for all of us, it's like, what makes you feel good, you know? And, and for me, it's moving in the outdoors. And so if, if that isn't part of my life, I'm not a very happy person. I don't feel like I'm achieving. I'm not as great at my work or my writing or, or anything else. If I don't have that, that, um, stability each day, even if it's going out and walking my dogs outside mm-hmm. and sitting by the river, being outside in nature is, is a pretty important ritual for me um, because I feel grounded out there and I feel connected. And I have started adding in things like meditation and some sound healing and upping my nutrition game and my sleep. So I, I do have some rituals like that, that what I think we're in a really exciting I'm right now where with wearable technology and with the science that we have behind sleep and nutrition that we can actually know how our body is, are, are we optimizing our own health and longevity? And so, you know, things like I use a, a program called Inside Tracker and they're blood tests that you can take yourself. You don't have to wait to go to annual physical with your doctor. And so you can see if you have iron deficiency or you can basically see on the inside what's going on on the inside. And I, I really like where people are going right now with health and wellness and taking their own care into into their own hands of knowing I didn't get a good night's sleep last night, you kind of know it, but you can look at your watch and say, Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get good sleep last night. And Mm -hmm. you can make daily changes to accommodate that instead of you know, 20 years from now having heart disease or, or having something that, you know, we've been building for a long time. I, I love the fact that you can take your health in your own hands right now. And so I do have some rituals like that. Like I've really prioritized sleep. It's the one place where we recover and rejuvenate. It's our magic pill. So whatever you're doing to get not just long sleep, but quality sleep is super important. And I'm, I'm also, um, changing my diet quite a bit and you know I've always eaten healthy but I make a lot of my own food now and I'm a little bit more educated on on the types of nutrients that that we need not just for an athlete but for humans in general. And I would encourage everyone, not everyone considers themselves an athlete, but look, we all have a physical body that is our, our, our suit that we get to move around in the world. And so taking yeah. care of that, whether you consider yourself an athlete or not taking care of the the package that you have to achieve your goals is super important. So, and it's part of my mission is to get people to move and to be outside because both those things are
0: really optimizing performance for, you know, mind, body, spirit across the board. Rebecca, these tips are going to change someone's life. They (laughs) are so powerful. And I want to really just give you the opportunity to kind of add the the cherry on top with leaving us one key takeaway that you'd like our audience to remember about pushing your body and mind beyond its limits? I don't even like the word limit. You know, I guess that's what
1: I would really want to encourage people is that who said you know, at 53, you can't win the Iditarod or who said at, you know, this age or that age, or who said that you couldn't be an entrepreneur. And so I think that's what I would leave people with is to continue to challenge yourself and continue, continually evolve and learn and have that childlike curiosity. I mean, we all remember like when we learned to ride a bike or, you know, something like that, when we learned to do something new and how exciting that was. And so continuing to know that you are going to fall off the bike, know there's going to be challenges, but making sure that you are continually putting yourself outside your comfort zone physically and emotionally, because on the other side of, of that, and people often call like the pain cave or something like that with, with physical endurance, but honestly, it's, it's a pain tunnel, So the things that are hard, the things that you think are your limit or challenging, there's a tunnel on the other side of that that is a more evolved, better version of who you are right
0: now. Hmm. Rebecca, if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? 10 years ago, I, I would give myself the advice
1: that that I don't have to do it alone to ask for help. And I think as strong, independent, entrepreneurial women, and me included, we often think, well, I can do that. I can figure that out. I got this. I, you know, I'll just do it myself. It'll be easier to do it myself. And I think that's where I've made some of my biggest mistakes is not asking for help. And the places where I do, like I have a coach that I train with. I'm now working with a nutritionist. You take your car to a mechanic, you know, and you have someone help you design a website. I don't think I asked for help enough. Um, I am now. But I find women are, we are so willing to give help and lift other women up. It's exactly what this discussion is about and your work, but we don't often ask for help either. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a little bit more of an uncomfortable place for strong women. And so that would be my advice is to ask for help because people are there willing and waiting to say, yes, I can help you with that. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. together, we're, we're going to all achieve our goals faster and, and you know, with, with a little less struggle if we bond together and and help each other out Mm.
0: how can our audience find and support you I know that people are picking up what you are putting down and would love to connect with you after this show please tell us how we can do that
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm, all my social handles are at Rebecca Rush, R-U-S-C-H. And I've got a training program with my coach that we work on. I've got the film, the book. I'm recording my book and audio right now and, and lots of ways you can join me. So, yeah, connect on social media or on my website at RebeccaRush.com. And I'd love to hear some, you know, some stories that you can
0: share and your listeners can share with, with their strategies or life strategies. I love that. All right, guys, you got your homework for today. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show and I can't wait to have you back.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Be good.
0: You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success, while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com.